0: Are you ready for the end of the world? This is your community spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again, circle of family, circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy, and therefore wealthy, to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is your community spirit coming at you on your community radio, WDBX 91.1 FM. My name is Tree Song, and I believe we have a guest with us on the line today. Can you hear us, Orr?
1: Good day. Can you turn it up a little bit? All right.
0: I, I'm, I think we may have heard you there. Can I try that again? Can we hear you, Orr?
1: Good day. This is Orr. All right.
0: Well, hold on one minute. I'm having trouble hearing you, so we will get to some music, and then we will get you back on the air. Alright, now I can hear you. So can you hear me now? Yeah. Alright. we were having trouble with the headphones, uh user error.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Alright, but we've got you back on the air.
1: Alright. So how's it's been an exciting week for fracking in the Illinois, huh?
0: Oh yeah, it has. Yeah, you've uh missed out on some of the fun there. That's our top story for today.
1: Yeah, I mean well, I read about it in um Chicago newspaper and saw uh a couple of, um, what do you call it, TV stories about it. Yeah. it's It's been hotly talked about.
0: Yeah. And the title of this, this, there are several articles about it. The title of this one is, Illinois Rejects Fracking Sacrifice Zones in Latest Victory. Illinois scored a victory this week against an attempt to sacrifice parts of the state to poorly regulated fracking. State Representative John Bradley introduced a bill... To cut short the process of writing new regulation, while also creating a fracking moratorium only in the Chicagoland area, so it was—I feel like that was part of what raised such a, such ire about it so quickly—is, you know, Bradley's proposed bill was basically saying, "Okay, let's protect the Chicagoland area from the effects of fracking, but we'll go ahead and frack Southern Illinois more quickly." <laughs> Seems like a bit of a double standard. Uh, the fracking debate has many Southern Illinois residents talking about the region being a sacrifice zone. Like the Hunger Games District 12, a sacrifice zone is a place where people are expected to shrug their shoulders with defeated acceptance, as the cycle of boom and bust poverty and destruction continue generation after generation. Southern Illinois, in this case, would be sacrificed to an extraction economy that breeds poverty, offers dangerous jobs with high mortality rates, while green jobs are created elsewhere, and it exposes the public to deadly pollutants. So yeah, this bill, this has been sort of—I mean, since the shale is available here in southern Illinois, there's sort of been this unofficial view of southern Illinois as a sacrifice zone. But this was the first attempt to codify it into law. But luckily, you know, they—it came out over the weekend, Memorial Day weekend, and possibly part of the effort to speed it through see if people were paying attention over Memorial Day weekend. But luckily, there was a lot of protest about it. Even the industry itself was skeptical of the bill because you know, they're morally opposed to moratoriums on fracking anywhere, even if it's places where there's not any shale. Uh, but ultimately, the, the uproar led it to some of the, the people in the state government to say, no, there's not enough votes for this, it's not going to pass.
1: Didn't they know that the most of the people who are against it are in downstate? Hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess they I didn't mean, include that in their calculations, you know, they're like, oh. You should have well.
1: done the moratorium the other way around, <laughs> like in the south and then passed it in the north and that would have been, nobody would have been against it. Yeah. Well, well except somebody would have.
0: Yeah, except for the <laughs> oil people funding Bradley. <laughs> they would have been opposed to
1: that. But yeah, so why are people so against fracking? I mean, besides, you know, don't we need oil?
0: Hmm. Yeah, well, a lot of health consequences to it, and uh, uh, we've got our next story is about some of the climate consequences. We could get into that one if you'd like.
1: Thanks to coal and natural gas, U.S. CO two emissions are up. We've gotten soft. Actually, that's, I read another news article that 30% of the world is obese. Every country. Hmm. So, we've actually gotten soft. Hmm. We've gotten soft. The econ- economic crash of 2008 and then the rise of natural gas from the fracking boom have gotten us used to a small but steady decline in the U.S. CO2 emissions. Not anymore. According to the newest monthly energy review from the U.S. Energy Information Agency, released last Wednesday. That's right. We are on top of it. That five-year trend is clearly over. CO2 emissions from fossil fuels increased by 2.39% in 2003. For January and February of 2014, the only months this year for which the IA, the Energy Information Agency, has data thus far, Carbon emissions increased by 7.45% over the same period last year. Now, the main culprit, of course, is coal and the emissions from coal-fired power plants, uh which President Obama is expected to unveil uh, new regulations on Monday. So,
0: yep. Yeah, I, I will admit that I am one of those environmentally minded people who were sort of lulled into a false sense of security. I'm like, all right, things are pretty bad in this country. We don't seem very interested in cutting emissions. But at least they're not going up, you know, at least they're very technically slightly going down at the moment. But now they're going up again, so
1: well I mean a big part of it going down was literally our economy. A lot of less things were being transported and a lot less things were being built. Etc. Because our economy was pretty bad, and supposedly it's recovering now. Yeah. So, CO two emissions from coal burning actually rose by more than four percent in 2013 compared to 2011, and now we're almost 12 percent higher for the first two months of 2014 versus the first two th- months of 2013. Yeah. So it went up from 2012. 2013 and now we're 12% higher than 2013.
0: Yeah, so we're going up for a big spike again. But
1: you know, now CO2 emissions from natural gas also rose. I mean, that's one of the things that people who do fracking say. Let's get natural gas, it's cleaner burning, but we're polluting more than that. I mean, we're 10% higher in the pollution from natural gas from 2013 to 2014.
0: Yeah, and natural gas also has the methane emissions that are often not accounted for properly in assessing the climate impact of natural gas. So really they're trying to lull us into this false sense of security saying, "Oh, okay, everything's going to be fine, you know, we'll we'll use some natural gas, we'll slowly decrease our emissions." But emissions are going up. Natural gas is not a bridge fuel. So it's it's time to start paying attention to these issues and see what we can do to reduce our fossil fuel emissions.
1: And, you know, a lot of people who went through the terrible winter will say, well, we want it to be warmer. (laughs) Well, climate change may be partially responsible for the terrible winter, actually, thanks to the polar vortex. Um, To synopsize it, long story short, the warmer temperatures and melting ice in the Arctic actually alter wind patterns, bringing colder air down into the lower 48 states. Yeah. So...
0: Yeah, so people around here can probably remember how there were a few times over the winter where it just suddenly got super cold, like colder than it usually does. That was the polar vortex.
1: And a couple of times. <laughs> Who were you?
0: Yeah, well, by a couple of times, <laughs> I mean like a few weeks, and then you get like a few days of normal winter weather, and then a few weeks of <laughs> being frozen in. That's the joys of the I polar think vortex. I a
1: couple of times, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple of days when
0: we had normal winter, and the rest was polar vortex destruction
1: (laughs) instead of normal winter where then it warms up to like springtime and then goes back to normal winter yeah we were like polar vortex and then back to normal winter so
0: yeah and that's connected to climate change too and so there's really a big need for a focus on doing things about fossil fuel emissions both here in southern Illinois and wherever else we can
1: Now, this really illustrates the importance of the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency's Mm -hmm. forthcoming regulations for emissions. They're expected to unveil these um, on Monday, right?
0: Yeah.
1: So, and then the fight can...
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're they're calling this Obama's carbon battle. I don't know quite how hard he's fighting in this battle, but Obama's carbon battle. Everyone's suiting up for a fight. The fight over carbon reduction requirements for the fleet of existing power plants in the United States is well underway, and the Obama administration hasn't even released the standards yet. The rules are due on Monday, and President Obama himself is expected to announce them, adding to the hype. On Wednesday, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce released a report claiming that the expected rules will cost the U.S. economy $50 billion a year and eliminate to 224,000 jobs <laughs> so they're you know they call the environmentalists alarmists but they're being alarmists by saying that all these jobs are going to be destroyed by this regulation
1: isn't this the same argument that came forth when they they came up with the EPA and the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act and yeah all the different protections for our environment that in every case created more jobs
0: Yeah, each case, there were people in established industries saying, oh, this is going to ruin the economy, but then the economy kept going. You know, we still, the the U.S. hasn't been destroyed so far by having clean air and clean water to a degree. So, And,
1: I mean, cleaning all that up creates more jobs. Yeah. I mean, if we create a higher standard, there'll be a whole new industry that comes up to meet that standard.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the responses that the EPA and other uh, organizations and agencies has had is, uh, the Environmental Protection Agency has been quiet about the specifics of the forthcoming standards, but the agency pushed back on the chamber report with a few quotes here. The cost of inaction on climate is the real drain on our economy, EPA spokeswoman Liz Percia said in an email to Bloomberg. In 2012, we saw the second costliest year in U.S. history for natural disasters, even the strongest sectors can't escape the pressures of a changing climate, so it's time for us to lead. And what she doesn't mention there too is the jobs created by energy efficiency, renewable energy, uh, you know, retrofitting plants to be more clean. All all of these jobs that will be created, there there will be plenty of them. So I mean, it is I can understand, you know, it is a time of transition for our economy. But if we don't make that transition, all of these costs that she's describing will arise. It's sort of like the saying, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. We can either shift now to a clean energy economy and have a little bit of, you know, complex transition time, or we can wait and do nothing and just have, you know, polar polar vortex and hurricanes and rising oceans just destroy our entire society. It's a tough choice.
1: Man, that really is a tough choice. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure which one I want.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't
1: know. Well,
0: I, even <laughs> with all their problems, I kind of like human beings. So I'd rather we survive in some organized manner. And if we're going to do that, we've well, we got to work on it.
1: Well, I, I wish I had the report that just came out from the uh, Solar Energy Industries Association about how many uh, jobs and how much solar got um, installed last year. Yeah. But, um, it's, you know... It's growing. It's as far as I know, renewable energy is the only industry that's growing by leaps and bounds.
0: Yeah, that's pretty remarkable.
1: And part of that is the environmental issues that people want to have clean energy. But then part of it is the fact that energy costs are going up. And of course, if they ever actually um, start taxing pollution. The cost is going to go up, but that just means that we have to do what the rest of the world does and be energy efficient. Yeah, we waste what forty six percent of the energy produced; it doesn't make it to the customer. Hmm. That I mean, gets wasted. So yeah, something like you want to do a poem? Hmm. Yeah. This this poem sucks nitrogen oxide. <laughs> I mean most environmental poems kind of suck. But this one actually sucks. Yeah. Um it's it's cuz the paper it's printed on is actually coated with microscopic pollution eating particles of titanium dioxide which actually use sunlight and oxygen to react with nitrogen oxide pollutants and and actually purify the air.
0: (laughs) That's pretty exciting. Poetry that clears the air.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So for um, anybody who wants more information, um, I can send out the newsletter and it has a link to um, essentially explain how natural or artificial light actually activates the materials and the electrons change nitric oxide into harmless, soluble nitrate, which then can be washed away. Yeah. Really cool.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Right. And I like the fact that they put a poem about the air on it, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like an air-cleaning formula using the material the poems printed on.
0: Yeah.
1: And it eliminates the pollution of uh, 20 cars every day. Yeah. That I don't see how that's possible on one sheet of paper.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, maybe they just printed so many of them.
0: Well, it's one. They don't have the photo here in this article, but it's one really large sheet of paper. It's like the size of I don't know a billboard or bigger. Okay. And I'll go ahead and read the first stanza of this poem. I won't read the whole thing because we've got other things to get to. But here we go. I write in praise of air. I was six or five when a conjurer opened my knotted fist, and I held in my palm the whole of the sky. I've carried it with me ever since. That's a good one. And now they're cleaning the air with the air in their palm.
1: (laughs) And so um this is at the University of well, in the UK, the University of Sheffield, yeah, and they actually have particularly poor air quality there, and the university is hoping that its technology can be used in roadside billboards everywhere.
0: Yeah, that'd be good. Maybe they can adopt it in the U.S., too.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe they can print the whole Lorax on it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that'd be a good use of it. And that's a pretty cool idea. Here's another source of cool ideas related to... Uh, protecting our air and our climate. Climate CoLab thinks you could be the one to fix global warming. Think you've landed on the solution to the global warming crisis? If only you could get someone to hear you out. Tired of your friends and family suddenly remembering other plans and tidying off the moment you start laying on your glorious ideas? Well, finally, there's an alternative to tormenting your near and dear friends. Climate CoLab, a project from MIT's Center for Collective Intelligence, wants to provide you with a listening ear, through a platform that makes it easier for everyone to come up with solutions to climate change. So basically, they're using the idea of, of co-intelligence, getting a bunch of people together to talk about climate, and they have, they're crowdsourcing it, they get all these people to discuss among themselves which ideas are best, they have some staffers organize the co- contests where anyone can submit a creative climate solution, then they call on expert judges to weed through and pull out the schemes that might actually be feasible, And then they have the, you know, the judges choose the final set of winners, but the crowd helps in the process. So, pretty cool. If you've got ideas about how to deal with the climate crisis, you can go to Climate CoLab and have them help you figure it out.
1: Well, you want to just come up with some right now?
0: (laughs) Yeah, we can come up with some. We're not a crowd,
1: though, really. We're not
0: a crowd, a crowd of two. (laughs) Do you need three to be a crowd?
1: <laughs> I just like, I think that the thing that, um, I like the best is start there. As far as I know, there's no co-housing in Carbondale. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, it's actually illegal to do co-housing in Carbondale. Hmm. And co-housing is the idea that you get, you know, four or five people together. And they essentially, instead of paying rent, they buy a house together. Yeah. But the majority of property in Carbondale, you only can put four or five people together in a house if they're actual family. Yeah. So there there is no regulations that allow that. And I could see where it could be abused um, if it was like rental property. But the idea of co-housing is this is actually your house and you share it with people and you buy it together and you essentially create your own family. And, you know, the cost is a lot lower when you have four or five people sharing a house instead of each person has their own house.
0: Yeah. You're sharing resources, which is good both for the people living there and for the environment as well.
1: Yeah. So
0: And there are places. That would be...
1: Just a long-term goal is to create, um, change the regulations in Carbondale that that's actually allowed.
0: Yeah, and there are places out there where it's done successfully, so Carbondale could look at models for that and see how it might happen here. So that's one right there you could um, send off to the climate lab.
1: <laughs> yeah. Another one is right now the Illinois Solar Energy Association is doing a raffle for a Tesla oh yeah so i think it's just illinois i why do i keep telling people about it i, I <laughs>
0: you could I be mean, the only person in the
1: bathroom you know, i yeah. bought i bought a ticket um and if i keep telling people i might not win yeah <laughs> I, yeah there's always that <laughs> conflict just, when you you're doing a it good for a contest though
0: yeah it's a good cause. so i end up in the same boat sometimes it's like well, if I tell everyone about this raffle, I have less chances of winning, but it raises more money for the organization.
1: <laughs> yeah, so... So I usually... Here's your chance to do a... a you know, a, get a chance to win uh Tesla and support a great organization. So... Yeah. Today is water a flower day. So the the next time, Song, you unzip unzip it in public today... <laughs> You can tell the officer when you get caught that you are following this holiday.
0: Yes, just watering flowers. (laughs) I'm sure that'll go over well. All right, coming up, we also have National Macaroon Day on Saturday, and Save Your Hearing Day, and World No Tobacco Day.
1: Sunday is Dare Day, and Flip a Coin Day. Hmm. So... You can give people a chance to give you two dares, and then you flip the coin to decide which one you're going to do.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a good one. So Monday is National Rocky Road Day. I wonder if that's the Rocky Road ice cream. If so, that's a good day. Tuesday is...
1: Tuesday is repeat day.
0: Yes, Tuesday is repeat day. I
1: said repeat day. Repeat day. (laughs) I said...
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Wednesday is Applesauce Cake Day. It's also Hug Your Cat Day and Old Maid's Day.
1: No, that's wrong. Those are on the same day. (laughs) Thursday is World Environment Day. So, happenings? The Carbondale Community Friday Night Fair. Today is the last day... Well, not the... I guess tomorrow is the last day of May.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, this evening, 6 to 9 p.m., at the Town Square Pavilion, the Friday night at Community Fair is a free community event featuring local-grown produce, food court, a variety of homemade products and services, and then live music. This week's music is Jenny Johnson and Mike Lynch. So... And then they usually have some kids' fun stuff. There's usually quite a few people there.
0: Yeah, it's a good time. And
1: then, the Look. last day of the month.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: yes, the month is drawing Get rid to of your repairs. household chemical waste.
0: Yes, your spring cleaning. Get rid of your chemicals. Uh, it's Household Chemical Collection Event. It's coming up on Saturday, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Southern Illinois Airport in Murfreesboro. Now, this is for people who live in Jackson County. Jackson County residents, they actually ask you to bring a valid state ID or utility bill to show that you've got an eligible address. But the idea is, you know, you come and bring chemical chemicals that you can't get rid of elsewhere that are for household reasons. They accept things like paint, paint thinner, the whole list of stuff here, uh, thermometers, uh, fluorescent bulbs, those fluorescent bulbs, because you're not supposed to throw fluorescent bulbs in the trash. Now's your chance to hand them off to Proper disposal.
1: Now, the things that are not accepted are explosives, ammunition, fireworks, fire extinguishers, smoke detectors, propane tanks, farm machinery, oil, electronics, batteries, appliances, tires, radioactive material, and medical waste. And then, of course, no business waste will be accepted. Yeah. Basically... Um, And then if you have containers larger than five gallons, you should uh, contact the Jackson County Health Department prior to the event. But the idea is um, to not throw away all those household chemicals, um, paints and paint thinners and pesticides, insecticides, herbicides, all those sides.
0: Yeah, because if they're disposed of improperly, you know they can pollute groundwater or make people sick or any of that sort of thing.
1: So and this 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 initiative is part of the Jackson County's um, initiative to keep things out of the landfill. Basically, yeah, I forget what percentage by what date, but the goal is to you know keep anything that can be reused or is polluting out of the landfill, so... Yeah. I mean, the list of stuff that they won't accept now, they accept at other dates. I mean, you know, appliances, they have an appliance collection date. Batteries, you know, you can get them recycled at um, the battery places around, so... More information,
0: RecycleJacksonCounty.org. Yeah. And we've still got a couple happenings, some more appetizing happenings. (laughs) The Carbondale Community's Farmers Market. It's on Saturday from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. at the Carbondale Community High School. They've got all sorts of good foods and other community crafts and such out there. It's a good time over at the Carbondale Community Farmers Market, 9 a.m. to noon on Saturday. All right, and we've also got time for a little bit more Vigil for Peace coming up on Saturday from noon to 1 p.m. at the Carmendale Town Square Pavilion. Keep Carmendale Beautiful is having their garden tour from on Sunday from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. The tour starts at Turley Park's Butterfly Garden. And we've also got one last one we'll talk a little bit about more next time. The 8th Annual Spring Fair Family Event is coming up on Saturday, June 7th, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Diamy Parent-Child Collective, 214 East Jackson. It's a fun family event. It's uh, going to be having all sorts of food, games, fun stuff for the kids to do. Oops. Looks like we lost Orr there just at the last minute. He saw it was 1030 and clocked out. But, yeah, we'll talk about that one more next week. And it's time for us to say goodbye here on Your Community Spirit. Hopefully this has been an exciting and informative episode of Your Community Spirit. You can check out our podcast online at yourcommunityspirit.org. And we will see you here next week on the radio. Meantime, we hope you enjoy the weather out there.